Common sense is not so common. And in an era where global uncertainty is rampant and government is out of control, this is the show making sense of all the madness. Broadcasting live from the Arizona desert, you can't dodge the Hodge. Here's your host, Dave Hodges. Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here, host of the Common Sense Show. Welcome back to our guest segment. Thanks for staying with us. And you know we are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. And we are brought to you by MPS, the best durable food company out there uh, with the great discounts on the four-week specials. And if you're still accumulating food, you know you're short. This is the most inexpensive way to acquire quality food with 25-year shelf life. Go to preparewithdave.com. That's preparewithdave.com. And we are getting rave reviews, four and a half stars, five stars, on our TV show that's on all the various platforms. If you'd like to become a part of that, knowing that Forewarned is forearmed and we're able to get into great depth with expert guests, then that's your that's your ticket, folks. TheCommonSenseShow.tv. It's a great supplement to what we do here on radio. And here's the deal. If we get taken down off of everything... We'll never be taken off of that because we own the platform. So, ladies and gentlemen, the Common Sense Show TV is where you want to be. People say, "Well, how much does it cost?" Two dollars and fifty cents a month. That's less than a cup of coffee, and you get two free months with the annual plan. It, it's we make it so easy; it's unbelievable. Okay, we have a really good guest, um, Sheriff Richard Mack, and, and and I know Sheriff Mack, and and I know where his heart's at. Uh, and I know what he's trying to accomplish in his work by educating sheriffs as to their need to follow the Constitution and how to do so. And the key is how to do so. And uh, we're going to cover some really critical issues today. Sheriff, welcome to the show. I'm glad you could join us. Yeah, I just hope we can find something to talk about. <laughs> there, there's so, so little going on today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what on earth would we talk about, Dave? Well, when I you got a coup d'etat switch... going on, then this is what happens. Yeah. Well, uh, one of our other subjects that you and I love to discuss is basketball, but uh, yes. I think we probably got some other pressing issues. Today. Yeah, we do. We'll, we'll have to leave the zone defense and the fast break behind for now, <laughs> and uh, we'll have to we'll have to come to that in a later time. But anyway, we uh, I, I do have a general question out of the shoots and something we talked about off air. Um, Governor Whitmer, for example, she had the state Supreme Court rule against her lockdown issue. They said that she did not have the legislative authority being in the executive branch to do what she was doing. And she just changed the name of the mandate and kept doing the same things. So my question is, why isn't there a contempt citation for this governor? And could the sheriffs of each county go and arrest her? Yeah, that's the $10,000 question we keep getting asked all the time. And it would probably be easier for anyone in the state to uh, file or address the contempt of court issue. Obviously, several governors have ignored uh, the Supreme Court decisions and uh, some of the state Supreme Court decisions and some just ordinary court decisions that have said uh, the pandemic 
dash coronavirus uh, regs and regula- uh, and regs and orders and mandates and executive orders have exceeded their authority. And and that's been obvious to all of us that that that, that certainly has happened. And Whitmer probably has done some of the craziest things, you know. Uh, she's probably not the worst governor, the the most Hitleric governor in the country. Newsom and Cuomo certainly come really close to beating her out on that. But she's probably the one that's just gone playing crazy more than any of them. Uh, I mean, her edicts that you can't go to your second home, you can't go outside, you can't go see your neighbors. Um, and there were even crazier ones than that. Uh, a few of them escaped me right now. But anyway, she has been very Hitleric. Uh, self-appointed dictator Uh, no matter what that kind of authority and power was never intended for one person in this country ever at any level of government I don't care state local federal nothing in this constitutional republic ever allowed this kind of authority to anyone do state laws allow for uh, some um, emergency clauses and emergency actions. Yes. Does any of that allow for the destruction of our constitution and individual liberty? No. Uh, in fact, there's been some cases that have said, and some pundits and constitutional scholars have said, that it's a time during an emergency is when the constitution applies the most. So um, it's, and we've seen example after example how that is playing out now but as far as a sheriff going and arresting the governor we get requests for that um, probably four or five times a week why aren't you training the sheriffs to go arrest the governors why aren't you training the sheriffs to go arrest the mayors and anybody else violating this we have even had it asked to go arrest the United States Congress or to arrest the president. And <laughs> none of those were aimed at Trump. Yeah. Uh, but it, we've, we have had it. We have had that question under Obama a lot. And we're already getting that question about Biden. And so uh, this is the thing. Let's, in, in a technical sense, we teach, we teach the sheriffs of this country to make uh, tyrannical leaders irrelevant. I've been preaching that and to nullify. I've been preaching that ever since I've been doing this and way before. Uh, so ever since my Supreme Court decision was uh, rendered in June of 1997, I have been really studying that and the Constitution, how it applies. Uh, the history of jurisprudence and, and the Tenth Amendment and Tenth Amendment decisions. And, and, and I just keep coming up with something that's called make them irrelevant. We don't have to go along. We don't have to obey. We don't have to comply. And the sheriffs would be the best in the country at civil disobedience. We, we can stop all this. Imagine. If a sheriff was sitting next to Rosa Parks when she refused to sit at the back of the bus and the bus driver gets mad and the, and the sheriff tells him, just keep driving. There's nothing wrong here. There's nothing going on. Okay? Uh, or even afterwards, which I've ex- 
done numerous times, talked about numerous times, that the, a good constitutional sheriff would have sat down next to her after uh, she was, they were called to the scene, and he would have come on the bus, told the bus driver to go on, and they would have made sure that Rosa Parks got home safely. Instead of enforcing the law, they would put the law in, their, in the trash can and enforce the principles of liberty that our country was founded upon. That's what we teach. That w- that's what we want. And to ask a sheriff or several sheriffs, say, like they just got that request in Washington State, several sheriffs were asked by people, here, go serve this on, on the uh, governor and arrest him. Do you know really seriously what that would do? It would create a badge versus the badge thing, and, and I, I discussed that issue also. But if the sheriffs actually walked up to serve a summons on the governor, that might be different. But the, the thing of it is, this is what law enforcement is about, and this is what sheriffs are about. They can do criminal investigations. And thus, that's the answer for, for Governor Whitmer. If you had sheriffs in Michigan that uh, can uh, investigate the, the governor, and if the crime indeed happened in their county within their jurisdiction, which I guess you could say it would be statewide, so I guess a sheriff could do that, and maybe several sheriffs in, in Michigan would do that. And we have several sheriffs in, in Michigan that would be happy to do just that and then file it at the court where they already ruled that she was out of line and ex- exceeded her authority. And if she's trying to just rename it and, and keep doing it, then certainly she could be uh, charged. But courts do not have an enforcement arm. When I won in my case at the U.S. Supreme Court, there's nothing the U.S. Supreme Court can do to enforce it. They do not, they're not the enforcers. And so, re- Remarkably and ironically, I beat Bill Clinton at the U.S. Supreme Court. Well, he's the one that's supposed to enforce it. He's supposed to enforce Supreme Court decisions. So bottom line is we want the sheriffs to nullify what tyrants will do in the state or at the federal level. doesn't matter. It could be right in their own county or it could be in the state, just like what you're asking with Whitmer. And they can nullify, and they can make them irrelevant. And what have the what have a hundred more or more sheriffs have already been doing? We're not going to enforce it. In fact, some sheriffs' associations and some states have said our entire association policy is that we're not enforcing any of these mass laws, pandemic rules, and shutdowns. We're not going to do that. We might stop by businesses and see how they're doing. Tell them they ought to be wearing masks, but we're not citing anybody, we're not arresting anybody, and we're not shutting anybody down. What we also teach is that the sheriffs should make sure that they're not allowing any state health department agents or local county health departments do the same thing, shutting people down or citing them in. First of all, they don't have law enforcement authority, but they try to assume it sometimes. So that's it. I do not want people asking their sheriffs to go to the state capitol and arrest the governor. That's ridiculous. It would probably get the sheriffs arrested if they tried, and people asking them to do that is really misguided. Well, I am disappointed 
<laughs> I must say that because every one of these governors that have deprived. Well, we could still get it. I mean, we could still get the sh- the uh, people charged. Uh, it'll be difficult to get. Uh, I think if a judge hasn't already done that, you got to wonder why. But at the same time, what are we really after? We're after the governor not doing this anymore. And if, and believe me, a lot of sheriffs believe a lot of these governors should be arrested. Uh, but the bottom line is we're still doing about the same thing if we ignore everything they said. And in the Kentucky and Virginia resolutions, uh, Adams and I mean um, Madison and Jefferson actually say in there, we don't need to make any new laws. We just need to exercise state authority or local authority in nullifying these laws. And if they're not enforced, they're basically nullified. So, yeah, would I like to arrest and see some of them arrested? Yes. But the sheriffs have uh, sometimes no authority in those cases uh, unless they can prove that the crime actually occurred in their county. And they also have a lot of other work to do that they need to just say, hey, it ain't happening here, you know. And and so how many legislatures or legislators would they be arresting every time they violate their oath of office or something? So. You know, I'm not totally disappointed, and and could it happen that we actually do? Well, yeah, maybe serving a summons after an investigation, but you still need to realize there's one other step I I failed to mention here. We conduct an investigation on a governor, and then we turn it over to whom to prosecute that? Is the county attorney going to prosecute that after that? Well, the governor is certainly not going to show up in that county and and say, oh, yeah, go ahead and prosecute me. Then I'll go to the next county and get prosecuted. And she's going to file all sorts of writs and and measures and court court, uh, summary judgments and and so on. And and they're not going to go anywhere. And first of all, you're not going to – the likelihood of you finding a county attorney to prosecute the governor, very unlikely. Then you have to actually file it to the U.S. Attorney General or to the state Attorney General. How many of them are actually going to prosecute uh, the governor? So that's something that the sheriff also has to work on. And he, you know, he can claim, oh, yeah, we already did the investigation. We sat on the Attorney General, and they sat on it. And so, again, these are, this is a very difficult uh, situation, and it's not as uh, black and white as everybody would like to make it look. But again, I think it's it's probably the second best thing we can do, and it's still very effective to nullify and make irrelevant anybody who violates the Constitution in my county. Well, that's, and that's uh, exactly what the again, that's exactly what the Kentucky Virginia resolu- resolution were all about. They were all about uh, nullifying stupid laws and the one that madison and jefferson were referring to was the sedition act that was passed by uh john adams and supported by john adams and he's the one that got it through and uh, it was really weird that john adams being a pretty decent founding father himself was actually supporting something that stupid well i I, I got shocked by that too but he he just he he promoted that yeah, John Adams just thought he was immune from criticism, which is why he did what he did. But, but <laughs> would, yeah. yeah, you could go to jail for criticizing the government. Um, yeah. But I kind of feel we're headed in that direction. Let me give you an example. 
60 Minutes ran a piece that said, is there any way to stop the hate on the Internet? And you and I both know where that's going. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we already have the hate police out there. You know, we have these ridiculous uh, thought crimes, you know. Well, that's a hate crime. You know, and I said, <laughs> well, I said, I don't know of any crime in my entire 20, 20 year career where somebody attacked somebody and went after them because they loved them, you know, and adding hate to making it worse, you know, I mean, how ridiculous and and how many times how many times have we ignored hate crimes from Trump supporters who got victimized? And and so all these riots in Portland and Seattle and New York, why didn't they get charged with hate crimes? You know, so it's it's so stupid that, that what where it is. And the bottom line is, is this is just a, another sign and indication of how utterly corrupt governments at the state and, and federal level have become. And and some of it's happening locally. And yes, we do have some sheriffs that have pursued criminal investigations and even some arrests against local officials within their counties. And that needs to happen a lot more. Well, the thing that I'm concerned about with the sheriffs, um, and we'll just take an example, and I'm just speaking for myself, not for you, Sheriff, but up in Mojave County, where the, and this is all on video, this isn't even subject to debate, uh, the discussion between sheriff's deputies and people saying they're not going to wear a face mask into a county meeting where they were going to register their protest, but the people in the meeting, none of them had any masks on. Um, I have a real problem with that. And yeah, also, no I have a real problem with the sheriff in that county taking care money from the governor in exchange for shutting everybody down. I have a problem with that, too. In fact, yeah, in, in, in the county meeting, I think sheriff... he's backed off of that. What? I think he's backed off of that. Yeah. I don't okay. think he's shutting people down, though. Well, we but I, I'm going to find out. I actually have a meeting with him in the near future. Yeah, <laughs> let's put it this way: his his people are hotter than hot, and I guess they've even got a uh, they got a recall against the mayor of Kingman, but they've also got a recall that's starting against the head of the county commissioners. And in that meeting, uh, the the county attorney actually said, "Do we have to give back the money if we don't enforce this?" I know. I know. I that's heard on, that. That's on yeah, tape. We, <laughs> we had a strong presence there. Oh my and goodness! I was, actually, I was actually supposed to be at that meeting, but as you, as you know, I was sick. Yes, so. I do. Um, <laughs> but I. But that's the kind of thing. And then let me give you another case in Pasco County. Um, they are accumulating bad grade reports in law enforcement uh, at the county level for kids who will be potential criminals. Have you heard about that? No. Yeah, I, I could not believe that I was reading this. And in fact, the Tampa, this is in Florida, Pasco County, Florida. The Tampa right. Bay paper actually came out and just crucified the sheriff's department for this. Uh, just obliterated them. They said, who do they think they are accumulating? Because originally... The principal gave them permission to get the records so the resource officers could help kids who might be in trouble. Well, that was reasonable. But no one said anything about creating a database of potential criminals based on bad grades. And 
See, I know that's the kind of work that you do, though. You go around the country and straighten out people like that, don't you? Yeah, and, you know, there was a sheriff in Florida that also arrested a pastor uh, for conducting church service. And so, as I've told you, we're not going to get all sheriffs on board. I would bet that that sheriff that made that arrest would not do it again. I think he's taken so much heat, and, and rightfully so, he should have taken a lot of heat. And that's where we, the people working with your sheriff, with our organization and, and trying to work with your sheriff and making sure he's keeping his word and, and doing what he's supposed to, that's exactly what that's all about. And, and so I really don't believe he would do it again. I haven't talked to him in person, but I plan to because that's part of all of our uh, CSPOA efforts for 2021. But uh, I've got lots of meetings lined up. My entire January's booked. I'll be this weekend in Kentucky. And then uh, we've got several meetings. I was supposed to be already to meetings in, in Mojave County. And uh, then I've got, um, boy, what's the next one after that? Oh, Washington State. I'm going there to uh, have some training with sheriffs there that Sheriff Songer is actually promoting and sponsoring. And so uh, this is really uh, picking up steam. And believe me, if I ever see a legitimate opening to have sheriffs in first investigate and do a criminal investigation, and they actually have somebody that will have the guts to prosecute that, county attorney or state attorney generals, which I doubt if any state attorney general is going to turn on this governor like that and do it. But if we can get any county attorneys uh, to to go for that, and the sheriff shows a legitimate uh, criminal uh, investigation, and the elements of the crime have been met, uh, then I, I think that's something that uh, is uh, possible and and on our back burner. Uh, it's not even on the back burner; it's on the front burner. But the front burner also is first and foremost. Follow the admonition of Madison and Jefferson and nullify what they're doing that's contrary to the Constitution. None of us, no one anywhere in this country has any obligation to enforce any unconstitutional law. Well, then then everybody says, well, who determines what's unconstitutional? You have to wait for the Supreme Court to do that. Where do you see that in any law, written or unwritten? Where have you ever seen that we have to enforce all unconstitutional laws until the U.S. Supreme Court decides that we can or cannot do that. That's an absolute lie, and it's propaganda, and it's brainwashing because it does not exist. And I, who took the oath, am responsible for its fulfillment. I do not say I keep my oath only if the U.S. Supreme Court allows me to. Or I promise to do whatever the Supreme Court tells me to do. No, that is not the oath. The oath is, I promise, I, Richard Ivan Mack, solemnly swear or affirm. Then I am responsible lawfully for the fulfillment of that oath. And that's really where uh, we're still going to focus. Man, but I'm telling you, I promise you, if I see any opening and we get some sheriffs that will have the courage to do that, you betcha, we'll do it. We'll pursue it. But it's it's a two, it's a double-edged sword. Do I have the evidence? Do I have jurisdiction? And do I have a prosecutor? No. No. That's that's. Um, well, all I got to say 
is um, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. Um, how many of these Democratic governors and mayors have been ruled against by courts for them just to continue to do what they're doing? There are several court cases now that said that these mandates are legislative in, in, in their in their nature. And the governors right. and mayors don't have the right to do this, but they continue to do it. I don't know. How do they get away with this? It's happened before. It's happened before now. Uh, first, on my Supreme Court case, nobody enforced it. Nobody obeyed it. I, I was the only one in the entire country putting that out on shows like yours and others and trying to get sheriffs to understand what this decision was all about. And it really disappointed me and still does that sheriffs – have not paid more attention to this lawsuit, seeing how it's the only time in American history where sheriffs actually sued the federal government and won a major landmark decision. And so it still really gets to me that, no, I've never heard of your case. Uh, well, what was it about? You know, And even when people have sent them the case and, and their own constituents send them my books, you know, it's, uh, you, know, you, you know the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him read uh, the, the decision. But be that as it may, uh, look at the Heller case out of Washington, D.C. on gun control. Look at the McDonald case out of Chicago. I mean, a black man in Chicago sued the state of Illinois and Chicago uh, authorities for violating his rights to keep and bear arms. because They literally went door-to-door confiscating guns in, in Chicago, and you weren't allowed to have one in your home. Heller won in Washington, D.C., where you were not allowed to have a gun in your home, obvious a violation of the of the Second Amendment and, and of the state constitutions as well. Most state constitutions, even Illinois and, and a lot, many of them, especially in the East, are stronger, word, worded stronger uh, than our own Second Amendment is. And so they – McDonald won, Heller won, and yet still local authorities – uh, pass gun control laws and enforce gun control as if it never happened, but as if it was ever needed in the first place because the Second Amendment is very obvious, and if you study the history of it, then you know that the Founding Fathers intended for the individual to keep and bear arms as he chooses, not as government chooses. But it's happened for a long time, and we can't just blame this mentality or this problem on the coronavirus, but it certainly has increased it. Well, something needs to be done about it, Sheriff. I, I, I am sick of these tin horn dictators destroying businesses. I mean, you know, Newsom makes these uh, rulings, and he goes out to his favorite French restaurant. He still gets right. paid his salary by people's lives are devastated, and he picks winners and losers. Walmart can be open. But, oh, no, 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 you can't have your pants store open because you're non-essential, so they say. Well, well I, I like the one also in California. Strip clubs can, can be open, strip clubs, uh, you know, and uh, strippers need to make a living. But uh, churches still need to be shut down or monitored or, you know, diminished. Or other, just a, a regular business, just ma and pa restaurants that they've owned for years trying to make a living and, and trying to eke out a living and restaurant businesses are very difficult to, to do in the first place. 
But no, you know, the, the hypocrisy behind all of this and the utter stupidity and and uh, Edmund Burke was the one that said the enforcement of stupid laws is the essence of tyranny. Well, that's what we have nationwide now. And it, it is going to take uh, some real courage uh, from sheriffs and other. Uh, we certainly hope, you know, we talk a lot about sheriffs because that's what I was. But uh, it's really something else that, boy, wouldn't it be great? To have a chief of police join the sheriff in this, and say, "Yeah, you know what? I'm going to be on. I'm going to be on the same page with you." And that's another area that we're training our sheriffs, because look, look at the California counties where we have sheriffs now standing, but it it makes it really difficult when the cities within the county are enforcing just the opposite. So he's going to have to take some leadership with the chiefs of police, and say, "Look." We've all got to find a, 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 a mutual page to be on here. We, we've got to protect the rights of the people. And I'm sorry that some of you are getting heat from your mayors and city councils, but I'm getting heat from the people, and you work for these same people. And we have got to be unified in how we stand for the Constitution and the rights of the people in our jurisdictions. And he's got to have that talk with them. And they, they have got to uh, make a, a united effort in that regard. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, like I said, strip clubs, not churches. Uh, <laughs> California state gyms open, but not private gyms. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. And yet we find enough law enforcement sheriff that's enforcing these illegal orders yeah and i and i, I guess what, what concerns me too is why a hundred thousand people in california have abandoned together to sue newsom in the state do you have any, yeah. any opinion on well, that I, I i don't get it well the, they're certainly recalling him and that seems to be really gaining a lot of momentum um but i really i really will go back to your original question I really think that people should be filing uh, a a writ, uh, a request of the courts uh, to hold them in contempt, and uh, that that really would, uh, I think, put a stop to a lot of these. And uh, there's just no way Newsom uh, could survive that uh, politically or criminally. It might not even uh, rise to the level of a felony where he'd be forced out of office. But I really believe that uh, that in anything to do with contempt from the same judges that already issued these rulings, that he he would uh, he would not survive it. Yeah, that's that's absolutely. Uh, I just don't get it. I, I, I'm just so frustrated right now with the whole situation. Well, okay. let me let me interrupt you there for a minute. There's another one that right. we're really starting to put on our plate big time and i've already called two lawyers about it the, the lawyer who took me to the supreme court his health is pretty poor and obviously he's a, quite a bit older than when he first was my lawyer um and then also larry clayman you, you know larry clayman yes. right mm -hmm. well he's filed several uh lawsuits at the united states supreme court and i believe we have a very serious one and i'm very close to believing that this is just as serious as a, the coup of the illegal or the uh, corrupt uh, election 
that people claim that Biden just won. And I believe this is just as serious. We have a coup, I believe, of the destruction of our Constitution. And, and, and I am going to criticize Trump a little bit here. Uh, and I understand the, the political pressures there and why he did it. But he actually signed a, a bill into law that he never read. And 6,000-page monstrosity that it was just supposed to be uh, a what? It was just supposed to be <laughs> a COVID-19 relief bill. And it's 6,000 pages. I remember when we were aghast when Nancy Pelosi talked about the uh, Affordable Care Act and said, oh, yeah, we don't know what's in it, and we don't know what it is, and we'll find out what's in it as we go along. And we were all just flabbergasted that she could make such a claim and be so lawless and, and borderline criminal. That, but this was everybody this time. Every single Republican who voted for it and the president who signed it into law, not one of them read it because it would be impossible. And there, you, you could hire all your staff, 50 people, to read it and try to go through it. You wouldn't have time to do that. 6,000 pages, which really does what? It allows them to do anything they want. Just like the IRS code, it's 75,000 pages. And what does that allow? It allows for anything. It's just like the Declaratory Act that was passed by England under King George III during World War during the American Revolution. It's one of the causes of the American Revolution. Yet now we're accepting this stuff in our society like it's nothing, and people are just going right along with it. Well, as long as I'm getting my money, it's okay with me, you know. And this is this is such a crime that we're going to be held accountable for a law that our lawmakers never even read. And if we did, if they, if somebody would take the time, if, if it were at all possible, to take the time to list all the horrible things they put in that law that are now going to be held against us and how they are allowed now to spend money uh, that we don't have, obviously. And it's astonishing to me that we in this country are accepting that. So we're trying to file... I'm contacting Clayman and and my um, Dave Hardy, my my attorney that won the Supreme Court case for me. Uh, I'm trying to get them to file something on this directly to the U.S. Supreme Court, not go through the district and circuit courts, but go directly to the U.S. Supreme Court because of the emergency that this has presented to all of us that we we are facing uh, a completely lawless society where our lawmakers, I believe, I don't know where I could go for it except the, that they're violating their oath. But if you're passing a law that you don't even know what's in it, uh, there's probably several different crimes in there, and there certainly is a problem with, obviously, the utter corruption in this happening. Well, the bottom line is um, I have no confidence in the Supreme Court. Um, I call I them. The, I don't call them SCOTUS for Supreme Court. I call them SCOTUS for Supreme Chickens, and I'm basing yeah. that on their recent actions or lack of action. Um, if, I mean, I, I I would encourage you to try, and I think it's a noble effort. I think it's a correct effort, but the problem we're so infiltrated with deep state interests right now, and I know I, I'm preaching to the choir when I tell you this. 
I don't trust the rule of law is going to be enforced anywhere, anytime. Yeah, you're right. I because I you're, I agree with you. I don't have any trust or faith in the U.S. Supreme Court, including uh, the lady that just got put in, Amy, whatever whatever her name is. I don't remember her name now. But uh, I don't I don't trust any of them. And obviously, the one who stabbed us all in the back, of course, was Roberts. And uh, I just I can't believe what the decisions that that man has made uh, since he's been in there. And he was supposed to be a constitutionalist. Well, no, boy, I can't believe that the Democrats were ever against him being in there. But uh, they're not they're not uh, upholding the rule of law and they're not uh, upholding the Constitution. They certainly are looking at the evidence legitimately on the election. Um, And and all they would have to have said on the election is, uh, yes, Every state or federal investigators have the right to look at the machines and and the irregularities, and all of that should be followed up on so the American people trust the election process. That's all they would have had to have said. They didn't have to take sides. They wouldn't even have to take sides. All they would have to say is, go do it, investigate it, follow up. But, boy, they wouldn't even allow that. Yeah, uh, we did have a sheriff. We did have a three or four sheriffs in Michigan that want that asked uh, for a, a subpoena to uh, confiscate some uh, the Dominion machines there in their counties uh, to have them audited, and that was refused. So somewhere there has to be something a little bit more uh, than just the sheriffs, because how is the sheriff going to stop the uh, United States Congress from passing laws that they have never read and don't know about. And you would think that would make the American people rise up in righteous indignation and and tell everyone that voted for that law to leave office. Well, here, here in Arizona, and you're all too familiar with the issue, a lot of people across the country may not be. And this is a national show, so I think it's worth mentioning the state yeah. senate of arizona issued a subpoena to the maricopa county board of supervisors to surrender the dominion voting machines for forensic audit yeah. and they have refused right. and then they oh, refused this is the most fair election ever they said well if it was then why do they mind if people look <laughs> at their machines because yeah. they're part of the fix that's the only thing you yeah. can conclude and, right. and the governor signed an illegal certification order and he's part of the fix. I mean, Sheriff, let me. You don't have to agree with me on this because uh, I know this is my thing, and I don't want to put you on the spot. Well, if it's about corrupt public officials in yeah, Arizona, yeah. it won't be hard for me to agree with. <laughs> well, I'll ahead. just say this: here, here you have Ducey on the board of TGen while he's governor, and one stroke of his pen can move millions, if not billions, of dollars. TGen's huge into uh, working with SonoraQuest for testing. They're heavily involved in the vaccine industry. And and I'm going to tell you this. It's been proven to my satisfaction that the communist Chinese business interest, their government, is involved in our vaccine industry. And that technically, in my book, makes this governor a traitor because China's our number one enemy. And yet he certified an illegal election with major conflicts of interest related to why I think he's doing what he's doing. And the state legislature asked to be reconvened early in a special session. And we know about the January 6th deadline, you know, to certify uh, by Pence and others. Okay. And he says, no, they can reconvene the 13th as planned. 
He's a criminal. He's a traitor. That's my view. I know I'm not speaking for you, but that that's my frustration level. Yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't trusted uh, Ducey in a long time, and certainly some of the rallies that I went to to speak at at the state capitol were all about uh, the, the distrust that we have for Ducey. I would like to stay on uh, Ducey's side where he can at least listen to me a little bit, and I'm yeah. saying that very guardedly. Let, let me because, say this, Sheriff. I'm going to take you off the hook. The opinions right. just offered by Dave Hodges are solely the opinions of Dave Hodges and do not reflect Sheriff Richard Mack. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, don't worry about that. But um, I don't know if – I don't think you and I talked about this yet, and I haven't talked about it publicly yet at all. But on December 18th, uh, my grandson was removed uh, from my daughter's home because of a, an alleged abuse by her husband and did not have anything to do with my daughter uh, abusing any of the children. And they have, she has three girls from a prior marriage that live there with them half the time because it's 50-50 custody because that's what Arizona law is. And so it was aimed at one of my granddaughters. Believe me, after all the, uh, you don't know this about me, but when I was a detective in Provo, and I was a school resource officer, I dealt specifically for five years with child abuse. I handled all the child abuse complaints regarding uh, uh, every public school within Provo School District, 12 schools. So I became very expert at uh, dealing with child abuse. And uh, I even trained teachers in recognizing and profiling children who are showing the signs of being abused. And I am very, very uh, anti-child uh, abuse. So there's no way that I would ever defend anyone, my son, my son-in-law, my daughter, anybody. I never have, never would. And I would protect them with my life. However, the allegation against my son-in-law was uh, very innocuous. It was no beating, no uh, spankings. He doesn't even spank the kids. But he, he grabbed one by the collar, okay, and it left a little mark on her neck. So anyway, but it never had anything to do with my grandson, Mac, who my, my, my daughter and her current husband have become parents of, and he's 23 months old. So, so this stupid counselor that my, my daughter went to and goes to regularly to um, sharpen up her skills as a d- divorced mother and a new family and the, she told the counselor about that, and the counselor told her she had to report it because she was required now to report it. Even though it was very innocuous, she goes, well, what if they take my children? And the counselor said, oh, they're not going to take your children. No way. They won't do it on this. I deal, I deal with them all the time. So they're at my daughter's house. My daughter calls me, and she's frantic and hysterical, and she's telling me that they're trying to take her, uh, her son, her 23-month-old son. And I said, for what? And she goes, and she goes for what happened to Millie? And I said, What's that got to do with Mac? She goes, I don't know, but they're trying to make it the where it's Mac now. And so anyway, so we rushed over there. And it takes 45 minutes because I live in West Phoenix, as you know, and she lives in Gilbert. So we rushed over there, and CPS was already there and totally interrupting the family and all this. And you wouldn't believe the things they were saying and doing. So I said, so they said, well, are, are you and your wife here, are you the grandparents? And I said, yes. She goes, are you 
well, you can take Mac and and we just have to do a background check on you. And so uh, before you called, I was actually working on my complaint to DCS, and I've been thinking about taking this to the governor, and that's the reason I brought that up. I understand. So, so Governor R- Richard Mack's your friend, and, and I'm the bad guy here. And yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I think you should have impeached and removed for conflict of interest a long time ago, but like I said, that just reflects the opinion of the host. Um, well, anyway, bottom line, yeah. bottom line is, they disqualified my wife and me to take the child. Why? Because they said we disagreed with their assessment of the abuse in the home. And I said, what does that have to do with it? Their own website, Dave, says we cannot remove the child just because you disagree with us. It's on mm-hmm. their website. So I said, because w- my wife and I didn't agree with your assessment, you're using the child to punish us for not agreeing with you. And so they took the child. They took my grandson for four days, and we didn't know where he was or who he was with or what was happening to him for four days. They're supposed to set up visitation for the, even for the very next day. From what we understand now, he was in a pretty nice home. We didn't know that for four days. That's not my the daughter point. Came that, that's not the home. point, though, she sure. She was a basket case. Yeah. Go, go ahead. That's not the point. Yeah, but, that's a yeah, nice home. Exactly. That's not the point. The point is this is an illegal action. And uh, we've been down this road before. Even state senators have challenged CPS. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. And they've accused but them of some pretty serious crimes. We have, we have a pretty good legislature here. Why are they still allowing this to happen in this state? Why are they still allowing CPS such power and control? And it's, it's uh, you know what, and I feel really bad because I've worked with these people before, and they've had to change their names because it used to be DFS or something else anyway. So they've had all these complaints and all these lawsuits. Well, I guarantee you they're going to have another lawsuit. And uh, we've already had to hire two different lawyers, one for my son-in-law and one for my daughter. And so we're paying into this now so horribly, and and I'm telling you, I'm going to get every dime back and a lot more from these people who are so evil and so out of control. They violate their own laws. The law, federal law, is that they're supposed to be governed by, says that the grandparents get preference in taking the child and that the last resort is removing a child from the home. Here there's two people who have never committed an act of violence against another person in their lives, and I spent 20 years in law enforcement and never committed an act of violence towards another human being, and I did that for 20 years, and I was a child abuse specialist, and here I am being disqualified in a two-minute interview for being, for, for being a grandparent and for being able to take my grandson to my home. So we took our daughter to our home. She cried straight and just was totally beside herself, couldn't eat, couldn't sleep for two days, not knowing where her son was. And she's, she loves those kids. She's never abused them. Uh, they didn't even talk to my son-in-law, who was considered the perpetrator. They didn't even talk to him for three days, so they never even got the information from him. But you disagree with them, they'll use your children against you and take them away, and that's exactly what they did. How did this come so, to their attention in the first place? Oh, uh, because the counselor told my daughter she had to report it. 
by law. She says, if you don't report it, I will. It was so innocuous. I don't even think she would. I don't even think that the counselor would have had to have reported it. But by law, the counselors have to report it. So my daughter goes, that's where my daughter should have called me and said that she was going to report this to CPS. And I would have stopped it right there. And I would have got a lawyer and I would have told my daughter, you don't have your kids interviewed without a lawyer. You don't talk to anybody without a lawyer and uh, preferably have me there, too. Uh, but this was a real traumatic experience for us all. Uh, the DCS totally uh, traumatized and terrorized my other granddaughters. And, and in fact, my little 11-year-old granddaughter was holding Mac, and they grabbed him out of her arms and took off with him, and she never saw him again for four days. She thought Mac was gone forever. She was so terrorized and so oh. traumatized by this. She was just beside herself also. Just absolutely and they could do terrible. that to a little eleven-year-old girl, but I'm the danger. I'm the danger. I know. I hear you. Well, listen. I know what they're setting up for. They're all about money, and and what they're going to do is force uh, your son-in-law to take parenting classes before he can get the kid back, and the parenting classes yeah. will cost an arm and a leg, and they get to buy He's nicer furniture you're, you're and so right. forth. He's already doing it. Yeah, I've already seen. I've seen this happen so many times. They need no proof. There, there, there's no legal standard they have to follow. It's just they're the judge, jury, and executioner, and every CPS should have their buildings torn down brick by brick and turn their people out into the street. And it takes an evil person to do what they're doing. I know, Sheriff. I've been involved in helping people. One know. lady was from the State Department, and they grabbed her kid for political reasons. She didn't do anything wrong. And it and it took yeah. us uh, raising $60,000 on my show Uh it, it's just crazy. You know, we're, we're almost out of time here. I just wanted to um, just commend you for the work you're doing. Uh, we're, we're, we may have to do a follow-up here on this uh, this case, if you're so willing, involving your family. Uh, oh, definitely. It, anytime I yeah. can put CPS in their place, I do it. Fortunately, you know, I don't have any children now. They're grown. But, uh, yeah. yeah, anytime I get a chance to do that, I'm going to, I'm going to, put these people in their place and we'll have to talk again and we'll do a follow-up as as events merit but i want to really thank you for the work you're doing by defending people's rights and educating sheriffs to follow the constitution it's great stuff my friend we are out of time thanks for appearing here on the common sense show well thanks for having me dave and happy new year happy new year new year to you